Welcome to the Just Believe Podcast. I'm your host, Herbie Mack. Look, this podcast is raw, authentic, and unstripped. We're going to turn these hard conversations into conversations. This is the only way we can break the stigma when it comes to mental health and suicide prevention. Now, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review, baby. I need them five stars. Sit back, enjoy the show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Just Believe Podcast. I'm your host, H.V. Mack, also Herbie as well. Look, today I'm honored. I met this young man a couple months ago. The chemistry that we connected, I felt like I was just talking to like one of the homies or like a like a brother type. Um, I got a chance to know a little bit about his story, and I had to have him as a guest. Uh, this man is super talented, probably one of the most talented people that I know from the range of his abilities that he's do is outstanding. Not only he spreads about mental health and suicide prevention, he also talented like a comedian and whatnot. I didn't even know he had this in him, um, but he does other ventures as well. And we get the chance to learn about it and hear his story and how he's making a change and impact in this, this community that we have in uh, mental health. And this is Leon Flowers. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing great, man. I think you put an N at the end of 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 Leo. <laughs> Leo, Leo my, Flowers. My, yeah, my dad. My dad's name is Leon, <laughs> um, and uh, Leo actually runs in the family. So, like, I'm Leo. Uh, my my full name's Leo Nard, but okay. people call me Leo. And then my dad is Leon, and then my 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 cousin is uh, Leander, and my aunt is Leona, and my sister's Leolin. So there's a bunch of Leos. Is, is there any reason why? Like, I, I'm pretty sure once you got older, you actually... I, so, you know, what's crazy is, you know, my name being Leo and my dad being Leon, I'm like, you know, oh, my, you, you named me after my dad. How cool is that? She's like, I didn't name you after your dad. I named you after this dude I dated named Leo uh, back, you know, when I when she was in her 20s. And uh, she was like, he was really polite and, and treated her well. And that's who she named me after. And I was like, I think I like the dad story better. You know, like, you didn't have to, you, like, like, let me believe in Santa Claus. Like, I, I didn't need all of that. Like, there's a time, there's a time to lie to your kid, you know, and that, I, that was a perfect window. But, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I thought it was, you know, it was just happenstance. There's no, um. I don't know why I just had, like, Mortal Kombat, like, finish him in my head. Yeah, yeah. I was like, couldn't just let me have that moment you know yeah. i'm trying to try to have that that disney movie and you're like nah nah, nah this is reality son yeah 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 so so, so, so as we yeah as we um that was an incredible story that's crazy how like there's some sort of like leo leon leandra and your family that's yeah. that's powerful like honestly it's it's like not only like like i from the outside looking in i love things like stories like that just because it shows how tight the family is like, no matter what, like, even though we, we may have our disagreements, we still family. Look at the name. Like, not, not only yeah. the last name, but the first name. Like, we still mean something. We have to move as a unit, which is unbelievable, to say the least. As, um, but uh, honestly, I just wanted to learn more about your story. I wanted to learn more about your story. And, and how did you end up from, because from, I, was, I was told that you was a D1 athlete mm-hmm. and how... Being a D1 athlete and, and the athlete mindset, um, you know, we all break. I mean, all gas, no break, right? Like, we just go hard. We want to be the best that we can be. And then sometimes when you don't hit that level of success, which an athlete would say is hitting that pro level, of, whether it's the NFL, major leagues, NFL, NBA, or whatever, and if you don't hit that, sometimes you feel like, man, I didn't make it. How was you able to find yourself 
and be okay with not making it to the next level, but be but use this as like motivation to do an incredible podcast that you have. So can you just yeah tell us a little that's bit? A, about that's story. a great question because I, I think a lot of people who um, are aspiring to to get to the next level and whatever they're doing, whether that means going from uh, you know, and I worked at Popeyes, you wanted to go from being a cook to the cashier, you know, because c- cashiers had the cushy job, you know, um, and, and then you want to go from cashier to manager. And so, you know, no matter what position you are, in, in some respects, you're, you're trying to level up um, for a lot of people. Uh, and then there are people who I respect and admire who like janitors who they um, have been a janitor their entire life and they save away money and then they die and they leave like a million dollars to the school that they've been working in. So there's this idea of, of leveling up and, and then reaching a point where you hit a threshold or a ceiling and, and you can see the next level where you're like, ah, get there. I think it becomes digestible when you realize that one, um, getting there doesn't, it's not going to make you happy, right? Like, yeah, you'll feel accomplished. It'll be, it'll be a great moment of achievement and something that, you know, you get to share and say, Hey, look what I've done, et cetera, et cetera. But once you get there, like that, that moment of achievement, that, that promotion, uh, that excitement around all that, that wears off. And then, then you gotta get right back to work. You know, it's just like getting married. You know, you, you get people, people think about uh, getting married, but nobody really thinks about marriage, right? Everybody wants to get married. Of course you want to get married. You're going to get flowers, the dress. People are going to be taking photos of you. It's going to be, a, a, you do a little choreographed dance. You get to drink, you get to, well, all those things, right? Who wouldn't want to get married? It's a celebration. It's a feast. Who doesn't want to party? But marriage, like when we talk about marriage, we're talking about periods of boredom, moments of, of isolation, feeling like you're alone, uh, really having to be vulnerable in front of someone, right? Sharing all of you, letting them see you cry, let them see you be hurt and frustrated and, and fail and succeed and, and try and try again. No. People don't think about that part, yeah. right? And so I, I think part of what helped me let go of the, the NFL dream was, like I said, one is realizing, hey, even if I got there, there's still so much more work to be done because you could, you could get, you know, uh, drafted, right? But you could still get cut. The same and year. that could hurt. The same year. You could, that same yeah. year. Same they year. could be like, here is, you know, 5 million, here is 10. And then, you know, because we've all heard the story about the, the kid who gets drafted, he gets the big payout, and he's just been injury prone. He just can't seem to stay healthy. And that kind of frustration is even more heart-wrenching, you know, especially to, to tell somebody, yo, yeah, I was in the league. And they'd be like, oh, how come I never heard of you? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, to, you know, when people say I never heard. You know, I because even I, I get that, you know, with stand-up of like, oh, you do stand-up? It's like, have I heard of you? Like, have you heard of me? It, like, that that's such an insulting, yeah. hurtful question, right? So, um, 
you know, realizing that there's still going to be emotional management and coping skills that you're going to have to utilize at that level. And your, your achievement doesn't change that. And then two, I played against Randy Moss. And when you play against an NFL uh, level player at the college level, you realize like there's no chance for you. Like it's a different, this is a different like, year. Yeah. It's a huge, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so vast that space between college and the pros. And then even in a pros, Randy Moss was still in a 1% at the pro level. So there's Hall of Famer, pros instantly. and then yeah. there's just like, yeah. And then there's just guys who are just even like, if there was another league, but beyond the NFL, like he would be in that league. You right? know, What's crazy that we um, share similar stories. I was, um, I play basketball, not football. I was just way too, I got hit one time in football practice. I was like, oh, coach, this ain't for me, man. He told me to, hey, he's like, run up the middle, go catch the ball. I'm like, all right, cool, let's go. As soon as I catch the ball, there's a linebacker and another linebacker that I didn't see. I got mollywopped. I was like, yo, I'm done. I'm done. So let me stick to the hoops. And I started playing basketball. And um, well, I've been pretty good, but I didn't realize how good I was to the AAU circuit. And then I started playing against guys that most of them, not most of them, but some of them made it to the NBA, about like 10, 11 of them. Uh, one of them got there, had a cup of coffee and that was it. I never got there. I never even got a chance to get recruited by school because my grades were so bad. So like always, every time I come around the way, people are like, yo, how did you not make it to the NBA? You know, I tried out for the G League uh, one time and honestly, I wasn't prepared for it. Like, I didn't even train. I was just life. But I say this because at one point, I had to give up the hoop dreams. Right? And when you love a sport, I love a sport not because of the money. I love it because of the competition. Like, yo, I, I want to be the best I can be. I want to sit there and guard the best player and said, I shut him down or I dropped 40 on him. Right? But then um, when you realize, like, damn, I didn't get there. Like, you know, you hit a certain age, let's say 21. Still small window that you can get there, but you you have to learn how to shift your mind. I was letting go of not getting to that level, but then I was like, you know what? But I did have a chance to play with a lot of N1 cats around away from being from New York. I played with, against most of them, but I did, I did get a chance to play against like the Ben Gordons, the Kyle Lowry, the Charlie Villain, the Waivers, and, and so on and so on, right? And it just let me know like, yeah, my talent was there. Maybe... Maybe if I would have went to college, who knows what would what, what happened. My body could have shut down instantly because it's a whole different level of, of the college from high school, college to pros. And people don't understand that. The mental part for me where I had to let go was what I know, I can teach others, right? For the kid who just wants to hoop it, but talented, but don't have the structure, let me teach him. That is still me being in the game and, and, and doing that. I was coaching kids for like free just to do it for the for the love of the game. And that helped me cope, as you said, that we need to learn how to cope with methods to just let go. And I cope from that. Like, oh yo, cool. Like this is my, this is me. This is like my NBA, right? Like, like I'm the I'm the Phil Jackson of this. i I got kids that showing up, calling me random hours. Hey, can we practice? And I'm like, oh, I love this. Right. Like, you know, when you're single, no kids or whatever, you can do all of that. But that that was something that helped me adjust from the big dream of like, damn, I didn't get there. Because when you have the dream and that fantasy, it's hard to let go, to be honest with you. It really is. And, and you know, what else you touched on something of like, you know, what you learned you can share. 
And, uh, and I, I think there are a lot of people out there who've been let go from their jobs, from their careers, uh, even uh, relationships, heartbreak, the lessons in there. And that's the, that's the thing you have to, you know, the first step is feel the pain. You know, that's the first thing, you know, I, you know, I, I got all intellectual, but the first thing you want to do is let yourself feel that hurt, feel that sting, feel that pain, feel that, uh, you know, feel decimated, feel defeated, feel, feel disparaged, you know, feel all of it and, and just, and marinate in it. I like to wallow in the pain, you know, like, oh, that hurt, you know, and, uh, and that could take, a couple of days, a couple, it might take, even take a couple of weeks, feel the grief, um, feel the anger, feel the, 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 the ridiculousness, you know, and, and go back through the memories. And then after that, you know, see if you can uh, break down the elements of what you loved about it. You know, I'm reading Huey P. Newton's book right now, uh, Revolutionary Suicide. And uh, and he talks about how he keeps getting in trouble and he goes to court and he has to defend himself. And he said, what a lot of people don't realize is that in order for the, the, the court or judge or jury to convict you, they have to prove that you committed the different elements of the crime. So like if, you, if you did armed robbery, you, there has to be an element of fear and it has to be an element of you having a weapon. You need both fear. So like if you have a weapon, but there's no fear, you can get off with robbing a bank, right? If you, if you pull out a gun and, and they, weren't, they weren't afraid. And so it's the same thing with, and that's how he would get off. He would, be, he would figure out what are the elements of the crime and argue each element and, and prove that. And if you could get one of those not to be included, you get off. So. When you look at your your basketball career, your football, your work, your relationship, to sit down and be like, what were the elements that I enjoyed, that I loved, that I want to recreate? Maybe an element like was, you know, having a team and feeling part of a team. So how do you recreate that element in your next iteration? If you're if the element was to travel, you know, some people I had a friend, he, he played football. Uh, join a football team just because you want to travel to different states. You know, people join the military for that same reason. All right. So if that's the element that you liked, then, you know, start booking trips to places or get a sales job where, where you have to travel. But it's about, you know, and if you go through a breakup and, and she broke your heart and you're like, oh, my God, what was it about her or about the relationship? What was the element? Was it how she smelled? Is it the time you spent together? Was it, you know, the, 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 the long walks on the beach, whatever that element was for you. Now you know what to look for in the next relationship, the next job, the next uh, profession that you're moving on to. And, and then, you know, you could also incorporate, like you said, the sharing of what you learned of like, so now here's, you know, I, I felt the pain, I felt the emotions. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I broke down the elements of, of what I really, and then also look at the elements of what you didn't like about it. Maybe you, you loved, uh, traveling for the sports team, but you hated the workouts, you know, whatever that was. And then you share that information with others. And that's what, like, I've, I, I'm, uh, you know, I've been seeing a heart specialist recently. I've had, I've had, I have some, uh, mild plaque buildup in my heart. I just found this out. 
And so, but before I, I shared it, you know, there was definitely a lot of emotions around it. I felt that pain. And then I, I broke down the factors that may be contributing to it. And, you know, uh, we can say, use, keep with the word elements that were contributing and uh, elements that we need to look at and, and what is manageable. And then I shared it on Facebook. You know, I shared it with my friends. Here's been my experience. Here's what I'm going through. And now I have people reaching out to me because they've had uh, a similar experience. And now I don't feel alone in my journey. I, you know, people know, my moms know, family have reached out, friends have reached out, people I didn't know were friends are reaching out and they're sharing their story. And so now we're moving forward together, right? That's, that's the part that d destroys us is when we feel like we are experiencing our pain alone. So, you know, feel it and then break down the elements and then share that story so that you can, you know, have a family, a tribe, a camp, uh, and, and, and feel connected with others. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad, step. I'm so glad you, you shared that because, um, you know, um, obviously this podcast is geared to like mental health and suicide prevention. Um, I was feeling alone, right? Until I really started sharing my story about like my my multiple attempts, mm -hmm. the community that came out of left field, just like similar to your story, was like overwhelming, right? I was just like, oh, okay. Like, all right. I didn't know you cared about me this much. I didn't know like people that, like you said, <laughs> you, you know, you know, if I'm like, oh, hey, yo, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Joe? You know? from that level to like, yo, wow, like this person actually cares about me to to really tell me their inner, inner thoughts and what they was going through and how they was handling it. The, the first time I came out and told the world that I was, you know, hey, I'm a suicide survivor, the guys that ran into my DM that I've been knowing for years never mentioned anything that they was, they was going through any mental health challenges themselves. So when I got that, I was like, oh, wow, now I'm building a community that feels similar to like the basketball locker room where it's like, yo, hey, I ain't got my A game on. Yo, Leo, let me text you real fast. Let me DM you. You might have something for me today or vice versa. And that is so powerful. That's why I was like, yo, I got I to gotta have him back on. I, I got I to connect with him, whether it's, it's on the podcast or it's outside of the podcast, because I think what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. It's incredible. Like, you know, I tell people all the time, I like to give them their roses while they can still smell them. I, I'm not going to wait to something tragic happen. Life is way too short. I think this pandemic taught us a lesson. Hey, if, you, if you're feeling somebody, you love them or you like them, just tell them, right? And that's how I am. I'm just like, yo, I love, I love your movement. I love what you're doing and how you're doing it. And that led me to really want to ask you this question. After the basketball, I mean, basketball after the football, and one would imagine it was difficult for you to, to move forward in life. What, what was the first step to help you like, all right, well, the NFL thing didn't happen. What can I do now? Cry. Cry, man. That was, that was the first step, bro. Man, when I, when I tell you being in that doctor's office and to, to, I say cry, but really it's to, 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 it was about feeling the feelings. Cause you're not, you're not just sad, you're angry. Um, and, you know, and just to give the, the people a story, you know, I, uh, I was, I was in a game, I was hit, I had a double stinger come down both my arms 
And uh, and the coach was like, well, you can't continue, you know, playing in this game. We're going to have to, you know, do a MRI and, and scan and all that. And they did. And they, they found I had three bulging discs in my neck and said, I, you know, I could never uh, play football again. And, and the doctor told me this, you know, this is not coming from the coach. The, the, the doctor is, and my girl was at the time was with me as he's telling me this. And, uh, and then that was it. He just kind of like, he was like, we could do surgery, but you know, you might have a 10% handicap. And I was like, well, I'm not doing surgery, bro. I'm like, you know, I was like 22, 21 at the time. And he was like, all right. And that was it. And I was like, wow, this thing that I put so much time and effort into. And he was like, oh, you know, and ends with a handshake. You know what I mean? Like it was and, motionless. It wasn't like. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. nothing. Like, like, I'm like, just doing my job. All right, man. Uh, you figure yeah, it out. Yeah, how to do yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know, my girl is there. And I'm like, what? you know, in my head, I'm trying to, you're stunned. You know, that, I think, you know, that first, I think that first stage of grief is you're just numb. You're like, wait, what? I'm not playing football? Like, what does that mean? Well, you know, you're, you're, you're stunned, you're confused. Do I still get my scholarship? Uh, can I play, practice with the team? How is the team going to respond? Um, and, and I think that was the other part that hurt was, you know, like I'm there with my girl, you know, I'm young, I'm in my 20s. And I'm I'm destroyed inside, but I'm like, I can't cry in front of my girl. So I'm trying to hold it in. And then I'm thinking that the the coaches would be like, oh, you know, I, I'd get like some like, man, that's awful. That sucks. Some sort of sympathy. And like, some some yeah. sort of sympathy. Something in front of the players. I thought that there might be a uh a, a memorial, like not a memorial, but just some type of hey, you know, our guy Leo Flowers, we love him. Uh, here's what happened, you know, and it was just nothing. Strictly business, you know. It was just right back to to business, and that really hurt, man. You know, you, you feel like you're really a big part of the team, and then you just kind of feel dismissed. And um, I, I think when you're young, and you you have so much energy and so many distractions, um, you, you don't really feel it. You, you don't really allow yourself to feel the pain, right? Um, you don't allow yourself to feel the anger, the disappointment, the sadness. I think I played racquetball for three hours every day. Just you know, to get out just, that distress. Just, just to get, you know, and, and looking back, you know, I, not even realizing I was stressed, you know, just like, like, yeah, I want to play racquetball. But when I look back, man, I was just like anything not to be by myself, you know, to uh, to be active, to feel like, uh, you know, uh, a student. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, it was. It, <laughs> no, it was I, I, no, I definitely get it. Um, for people that's yeah. listening, that's not an athlete. Um, it sucks, man. Like it does, yeah. especially when it's by injury. Because you feel yeah. like your body betrayed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I definitely yeah, you get it. You feel betrayed, and you know you do so much, and and up to that point, you feel invincible. 
yes. get to that point and you just like <laughs> yes. injury. I don't even understand the injury. Like, yeah. what is that? And, hey, just give uh, me some Tiger Bomb. I'll be good, man. Yeah, Come on. <laughs> yeah. Good, man. Let me put some ice on it yeah. and let's, let's get back in this, you know? No, no, I definitely um, get it. I definitely get it. Oh, so, um, yeah. That I think that, that I, I wish I had uh, been better at being vulnerable. But it's a lesson, and, though. It's a lesson. It's a lesson. lesson. But when yeah. I look back, I go, wow, how many other... Because right now I'm mentoring a, a kid in college and, and he's going through some injuries. And uh, and it is, you know, I'm like, how many more people are struggling uh, with and, and don't have to be? It's like, man, like just allow yourself to break down yeah. and feel it. And then you, you could move forward so much faster. So after the um, the the injury that set you back, I wouldn't even say setback. I think personally, how I feel about life is like when we're born, we we have a path that's already set out for us. Sometimes we may not understand it until we get there, right? For me, um, you know, not making it to the NBA was just similar to you. I mean, mine was the injuries. It was just the fact of I, I couldn't focus in school. Like, you know, my, my sister dying from brain cancer. It was just a lot. So basketball was my, like, coping. I didn't care about school. Not because I was dumb. I was just mentally, I just couldn't do it. And when I finally, like, got an opportunity to play against uh, some NBA players, for me, it was like, you know what? This is my, this is like my MVP type of thing. This is my everything. But the lessons that I was able to learn from it got me to where I needed to be now, the person that I am today. Because it, it, you know, like... Once you get a big contract, quote unquote, will you still be the same? You're you're introduced you're introduced to a different lifestyle, right? You're introduced to different people. For me, I'm a very private person. I like to just sit back and chill and do what I do. But then I look at it like, yo, I was meant to to do this because there's not enough people that look like you and I that's talking about mental health. That's actually telling young men, dude, it's cool to be vulnerable, bro. I was there with you. It's not a weakness. It's cool. And especially when they look like you, they feel more comfortable. Like, all right, cool. Not saying he's like my dad, but he's like a big big brother type of thing. And if he went through it and he's doing this, like, look how successful he is. So when basketball or whatever sport that you're into doesn't go right, there's other ways that you can pivot too. Uh, For you, what was your first pivot into like a new career? Uh, you know, I, after, so after the injury, I went ahead and got my master's in counseling psychology. So I started, I was already, um, working with inmates in my undergrad and I was working at a group home for, for kids during my undergrad. So I got a graduate assistantship and assistantship, uh, basically is, um, when they pay for your, your grad school, like, uh, books, school, everything, uh, pay for. And so I had a graduate assistantship. Um, cause my, my college, I was on a Dean's list undergrad, got an assistantship and, uh, was counseling inmates and married couples, um, uh, during my grad in grad school. And so to me that, you know, I just went into the mental health side of it, um, to see, uh, you know, to, to, to work with people and try to connect them and, uh, and also, you know, explore my own demons. And, uh, you know, try to get some old, my own personal answers, but also just really fascinated with the human mind and human behavior and, and why people do the things that they do and, um, and um, 
just understanding relationships. So, yeah, that that was my first pivot. I I just went straight into grad school. I was like, I was just like, how do I stay in school longer then? Outstanding. Congrats on that as well. That is outstanding. Thank you, bro. No, yeah, yeah, no. For me, like, it was hard. It was difficult. Like, I was just working like jobs to jobs, and um, but I wasn't happy. Right? Wasn't happy not because of the job or the the amount of money I was making. It was just more of a demons that I was facing, and then I couldn't handle them. Right, and then I couldn't handle them. And when I checked myself into the mental hospital, that's when I realized, hold on, this this experience is kind of tainted. Maybe there need to be, maybe I'm maybe I'm supposed to go here to learn about this because I ne- I never heard of like mental health or therapy or anything like, especially in the hood, in the Bronx. Nobody, you seen a therapist? Oh, you're a nut. That was the first thing everybody would say as soon as you mentioned therapy. So now that I like you know went through my trauma and realize, okay, let me learn about this mental health. Let me actually be a voice and be a solution to breaking down the stigma because people that look like us, they don't talk about it enough. Or when they do talk about it, you know, I want to be a part of that, part of the the solution, not the problem, you know? So no, I love it. I love it. Um, Now I I have to ask you, because you you said this, and now that you're doing stand-up, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> so it's so that's a great question because a lot of people ask that and it's all connected for okay. me, right? So, excuse me. When we talk about we goes Bless back to talking about the elements, right? Yeah. Where thank you. When we talk about the elements, it's like what are the elements I want my that I want in my life? What are, you know? What are the things that I value? And I was a huge Batman fan, and I'm still a Batman fan. And of course, like one cannot be Batman. There's only one Batman. But I said, what are the elements of Batman that I appreciate? And I love that Batman is worldly. Uh, uh, you know, he takes physical care of himself. Uh, he has a, a beautiful woman or women. You know, he's he's yeah. kind of yeah. And you know, a dope car um, and and philosophical. You, you know, and and he could tra- he trained in martial arts. And different, you know, ways of, uh, of of fighting, and uh, but also just intellectually um, uh, uh, robust and, and and vibrant. And I was like, those are the things that I want to incorporate uh, into my life. And so, you know, therapy is it allows me to to connect with people, to travel. You know, I could you could do therapy anywhere in the world, and and not in terms of licensing, but like I coach now. And the reason why I got into coaching instead of counseling is because counseling is limiting in terms of where I can counsel. Like, I, you know, it's like, if you're licensed only in California, you can't do anything in Iowa. That's ridiculous to me. Um, and so I was like, well, let me go into the coaching realm because I want to be a man of the world and, and travel and work with people no matter where they are. Um, and so I got into coaching and then also, you know, I got a beautiful girl. And so, but specifically on a therapy, everything is communication. Yes. Everything. Everything's communication. Whether, you know, you know, you hear people say, well, they just don't communicate. Everyone communicates. Even when someone's not communicating, they're communicating, right? If, 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 if you walk in a room and your girl has her arms crossed and her back to you, she's communicating something to you. If she says one word, give you, gives you one word answers, she's communicating to you. If she's talking a lot, she's communicating. So there's 
we are always communicating at all times, eye contact, no eye contact, et cetera, et cetera. So there's always communication. And we, we learned everything in life except how to communicate more effectively. Now, some of us who are extroverts are better at communication than uh, perhaps introverts in terms of direct uh, communication, but we could all learn these things. And, and the, the, but the specific tool of a relationship is, is learning how to connect. Every argument, no matter whether you're talking about money, sex, um, uh, family, uh, or children, everything comes down to connection. Are we connecting on this? And so teaching people how to connect effectively uh, so that they're not at each other's throats. Because uh, this whole like love is great, but love doesn't teach you communication, right? So we have to learn how to listen. We have to learn how to de-escalate a situation, know when to push, know when to release, know when to just hold our ground, et cetera, et cetera. So I work with a lot of people on being able not only to communicate with their spouse, but how to communicate uh, with their employees, with their boss, how to negotiate a raise, how to circumnavigate, uh, you know, work culture or friends or, or you know, everything is, is comes down to human interaction. Whether you're, you know, you get charged an extra $50 on your phone bill or you're trying to upgrade, uh, you know, your flight status. It, it's it's all about communication and and really being able to listen to other people. And, and that's what stand-up is. And that's what football is. Uh, yeah. You know, football is physical communication. I'm reading your body language. You know, if, I know if you put your hand a certain way, that means you're going to do this. If, if, you, if you look here, you're going to do that. A linebacker is trained to look at the quarterback's eyes. So we are at all times communicating with other people. And so for me, it was like, all right, I can no longer communicate on a football field. And I can't communicate physically the way I want to. So now I have to bring that into an intellectual realm and into a relational realm and see how to do that. So for me, the, the foundation is I, I've always loved the idea of connecting with people and with others. But what I really love is helping other people to connect with other people. And I get like a, a, a huge joy out of that, you know. No, I love hearing that. I love hearing that. That was great. That was a great breakdown. Um, what got you into podcasting? Because your podcast is called Before You Kill Yourself. Well, you know, for me, when I was nine, I told my mom when I turned 40, I was going to end my life. And, you know, I'm 45 now, just turned 45 yesterday, March 18th. Oh, I know this, this airs bro, in uh, May. Bro, bro, you don't look like it. <laughs> That's what I'm Thank trying to say. Brother. You don't uh, look like it. Light. It's the ring light, man. It's the ring light. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look like it <laughs> I'm dead so, you know and it was something that you know I, when I got into my 30s and I'm you know I'm 35 and then 36 and then, you know I'm thinking about this and I was like you know what what was it that made me say that to my mom and looking back I realized I had always felt like a burden I'd always felt like her life would have been better and if she didn't have me, she wouldn't have to worry about the bills and she wouldn't have to worry about clothes and food and, and money and sending us to school. And she wouldn't have to work so hard, you know? And I, so I really felt, you know, when she would come home work, sometimes she worked two jobs, put me and my sister 
through Catholic school, I could I could feel you know her the weight of of what she was doing, and you know I, I just I grew up feeling like a burden and not wanting to be a burden to anybody. You know when I, I lived out my car for a few years, I didn't tell anybody, even though I had friends and family uh, that that I could have talked to, could have leaned on, could ask for help or money, but I didn't want to be a burden. And I and I realized so many people are especially men, we're trying to maintain this perfect facade that we have everything together. And when we're crumbling inside, right? And, um, and you know, asking for help is, is not a sign of weakness. Uh, it's, what, it's what you do. It's what you do when you're in a camp. It's what you do when you're in a team. It, it, when, you, when you watch a football game and at the end of every play, you will invariably see the guy who uh, is on the ground being helped up by a guy who is standing. And so uh, why is it that it's okay for physical help? Uh, you know, you're in a weight room, a guy can spot you and that's acceptable, but emotional help, emotional support. Uh, all of a sudden, no, no, I got this. Don't worry about it. I can handle this. I'll figure it out myself. It's like, no, man, you need a spotter. You need somebody to extend a hand. And, and, and that's how we all get through life. That's how companies, look at any company, every company right now during this pandemic has their handout. Yeah. They're all trying to get the banks. They, how many handouts, how many times have they had to be bailed out? The car companies getting bailed out. There are countries, think about this. There are countries that have to get bailed out that are asking for help, that are asking for assistance. You know, my mom is from Belize and you know, there's a, a there's tornado or hurricane seasons that come through and flood the area and destroy places and and they need help financially. Yeah. You know, Haiti, America needs help. I mean, listen, uh, uh, don't act like because America's a superpower doesn't mean that they don't ask for help. That's why we we have trade deals with China and we joined the European Union and NATO because we realized that as much of a superpower as America is, that we can't uh, exist alone. We're not an island. We have to work with others. We have to work with Mexico. We got we got our neighbors up top, Canada. And so we have to think globally. That's what Nassau is. When you look at the space stations up in space, it's not just Americans in their space station. Under, no, we're sharing, we're sharing space stations. And so the world is working together. It's preposterous for us to think that we shouldn't also be working together and taking advantage of the, the opportunities and the assistance that's out there for us. Yeah, no, perfect. Perfect. Um, incredible story. I'm, I'm definitely glad to connect with you. I'm definitely happy that you was able to share this because I feel like this is going to touch so many people. The, I love the way that you bro broke everything down. Um, unfortunately, we're running out of time. But before we before I let you go, if there was something that you had to say to someone that can just help shift their mind to, you know what, he's right. Let me actually go reach out for help. What would it, what would it be? It sucks. It sucks, man. Like right now you're, you're going through something and you can feel it in your, in your stomach or maybe behind your eyes, uh, or in your hands, maybe, maybe in your jaw. And you know, you're 
you, 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 you're doing a good job of, of keeping the facade and pretending like everything's okay and you got it together. Uh, but it sucks. It sucks to, to one, to feel like you got to do this alone. And, and I know, and I know what's happened to you is that you've reached out before you've asked for help and you were shamed for it. Uh, whether it was your dad or your mom or a best friend uh, or coworkers or even strangers, you were, you were shamed and you were humiliated for reaching out and, 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 and needing help. And so you've learned not to do it anymore. And, and I want to say that, um, uh, that it's a bummer. It's a bummer that that's happened to you. Um, it's, it's awful. And, but, but keep reaching out. You know, it's like JK Rollins had 50 rejection letters. You know, people laughed at it. They were like, this will, this will never work. Um, and you can, there's a list of people who been rejected and ideas have been turned down and doors slammed in their face and laughed at and humiliated. And, but they, they kept going and they persevered. Um, so just know that the, the pain sucks. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to punch the pillow, punch the pillow. If you want to wallow on the ground, like a nine-year-old and throw a temper tantrum, do that, man. Feel, feel all the feelings. Um, and then, and then after you, you've gotten it all out, you know, cry in a shower if you have to, collapse. Just be like, just, and, um, and then once the dust settles and uh, you take a shower, you know, you brush your teeth, floss, and you say, you know what, tomorrow when I get up, I'm, I'm going to reach out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to five people or 10 people and just say, ah, I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting. I'm not okay. Just start there and see what happens. Um, and then if you have, if, and even if it's a stranger, even if somebody you haven't talked to in 20 years, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised that uh, people who you haven't talked to in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, you'd be surprised at the fact that they thought about you and how you're doing and are waiting for someone that they can help and be of assistance to and be of value to. So give them, give them the opportunity to help you. Think about it that way. Give them the opportunity to show that they're a valuable human being. Um, and that's, that's why you're in a situation you're in because we all need that. We all need those opportunities to feel like we're a part of something else outside of ourselves. Perfect, perfect. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time. Please let everybody know where to find you at. Uh, you can go to, if you want one-on-one -on -one coaching, go to thrivewithleo.com. That's for one-on-one -on -one coaching. I work with uh, CEOs, uh, uh, people who are uh, type A, like they're just killing it at work and crushing it, but they feel uh, alone at home. Uh, they, they feel like it, they're, they're, all the effort is for nothing and without meaning. And I, I help people find meaning and purpose in, in what they're doing and help them find connected again uh, to the things that they love. Uh, you can go to leoflowers.com for uh, my stand-up stuff, um, links to my Instagram and social media and all that stuff. So leoflowers.com for social media and comedy, thrivewithleo.com uh, for one-on-one coaching. 
Perfect, perfect. Until then, guys, see you next time. Peace. Today's episode of the Just Believe Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're currently going through a mental health challenge, don't be scared to look in the show notes and reach out to those resources. If people are going to put labels on you, tell them, look, labels are made for jars, not people. Whatever obstacles that's facing in front of you, you can overcome that as long as you just believe. Until then, I'll see you next week. Peace.